0: Thanks, guys. Always good to see Will and the band and to be here at Connection. I bring you greetings from your friends up the hill at the mothership. And for those of you who I haven't met, which is probably very few, I think I know all y'all, but my name's Jim, Genesee, and along with Charlie, I have the honor of being one of the pastors here at First United Methodist Church. And it is fun when we get to swap. Charlie and I, he's preaching at Big Church today, and here I am with y'all. So... I'm delighted to be here. I've got a long scripture passage I want to read today, so hang in there with me. I'm going to be reading from the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. I'm going to be starting with 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, Please bring me a piece of bread as well. As surely as the Lord your God gives and lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm preparing a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said But first make a small loaf of bread for me, from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain upon the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse, and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy, three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, open our minds to these words and open our hearts to the living word of Christ that we may be changed today and forever. Amen. So a man got hit by a car, and woke up in the emergency room. And as he came to, he saw his wife standing next to the bed, holding his hand. And he looked into her eyes and he said, honey, you're here. You know, I'm thinking back when I was a college student and struggling and failed time and time again, you were always there with me. And then when I went out into the world to get my first job in my career and came back night after night without a job, you were there with me. And then when I landed the job, but soon messed up the big contract and was fired, you were there with me. And then when I tried to get another job and failed over and over, you were still with me. And now I have this accident, and I wake up here in the hospital, and you are with me. And as her eyes began to fill with tears, he looked at her and said, You know, honey, I think you're just plain bad luck. Sometimes things pile up in our lives. Things are tough, and it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. It's a case of maybe two steps forward, one back. The widow of Zarephath would understand that. Things pile up, we find ourselves at the end of our rope. And that's where this woman was, at the end of her rope. Things had come to a head when the prophet Elijah showed up in her town. Elijah had been called by God to condemn the sin of the people of Israel. They had turned their back on the Lord and begun to follow other gods. And all of that was set up because King Ahab and his non-Jewish wife Jezebel began to lead the nation into rebellion against the Lord. And now society had fallen into a place where sin was the new norm for everybody. And that was now the morality of the land. People had turned inward, had turned away from the God that they knew to be the one true God. And Elijah is sent by Yahweh to speak a word of truth to those people. He was the messenger. And when they refuse, God decides to get their attention. So He sends a drought upon the land, all the crops dry up, and there's no food There's also famine in addition to drought now. Well, Elijah was the messenger, but people really didn't like the message. And so they begin to turn on Elijah. In fact, Queen Jezebel takes out a hit on our prophet Elijah. And so he heads to the hills to hide out for a little while so that he can be safe. And while he is there hiding out, God provides for him with some food and some water. But God doesn't leave Elijah out in the hills. God's got a purpose for him and calls him back to work. He instructs Elijah to head down to the coast to the city of Zarephath near Sidon, the place we know today in our maps as Lebanon, down on the Mediterranean Sea. This was not only pagan territory outside of Israel. This was the home base of that mean Queen Jezebel who was out to get him, And you can imagine the conversation Elijah said, God are you are you sure? You want me to go where? You know they're not going to be real happy with me down there. You know they're out to get me and besides what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to live? Elijah was at the end of his rope. And yet God sent him on anyway. God had already proven he could take care of Elijah, and so now he was going to prove it again in a miraculous way. The Lord said, I have commanded Elijah that a widow there provide for you. By the way, Elijah, I've arranged room and board for you in the home of a poor starving woman. Now, if going to Zarephath made no sense, this made even less sense. But as we're often reminded in Scripture, God chooses the foolish to make us wise. God takes us when we are without strength in order to show us his power. Elijah did as he was commanded, and as he traveled, I'm sure, he must have wondered what was in God's mind sending him to a pagan land, a Gentile city to a widowed, starving woman who was not even a believer in a foreign country. Jesus mentioned this incident himself. Years later, when he was preaching in the synagogue in Nazareth, in chapter four of Luke's gospel, Jesus says, I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. When Jesus finished that sermon, the Bible says that the congregation was filled with anger and they rose up in mass to take Jesus outside and throw him off the cliff. Now that's kind of a strange reaction to a sermon on Elijah, and one that I hope is not repeated here this morning. The reason it stirred up so much emotion with the people is what the message really conveyed. And that is that sometimes God finds greater faith among people that don't claim to be his people. He finds people everywhere who he calls to be his own. Elijah certainly finds that to be the case here as he approaches the city he runs into this woman who is gathering some sticks to go home and cook what is going to be her last supper following his instructions from the lord he asks her to share the food that she has in fact not only to share the food which is very limited but to provide food for him first before she feeds herself or her son even more amazingly than god's request is that Elijah asks and she responds. Maybe she was moved by a spirit of hospitality, perhaps. But maybe it was more like, what have I got to lose? I'm out of food. Things are going bad. They're getting worse. I'm tired. I'm resigned to my fate. Like, whatever, God. If if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it. Regardless, she does as Elijah asks. She prepares food for the prophet. And lo and behold... The little bit of food she has is multiplied. The flour, the oil. And soon there is enough food to provide over and over again for her, for her son, and for this guest. You see, when we are faithful, God provides what we need just when we need it. You know, we pray for that to happen all the time and we don't really think about it. Like in the Lord's Prayer, give us... This day, our daily bread, it's not, Lord, give us enough food for the next 20 years. Take care of us today. And that's what God does here. We ask God to care for our needs, but I'm not sure we always believe that He will. But He does always, every time. Sometimes He does so through a miracle, like in this story. Sometimes He does it through more ordinary means. But God is there to look after us and to provide for us. But as so often happens for this woman, as it happens for us, just when things start to get better, they get worse. It's that two steps forward, one back. When your feet are knocked out from under you in life, you get back up and you keep going, but it's not always a straight ascent on your walk. Bills are piling up. Well, lo and behold, you get a raise at work or a promotion And then the car breaks down. So then you got to go pay the mechanic. Just as you're clearing that bill and things are looking a little brighter, someone in the family gets sick. And now you've got this big medical bill you have to take care of. That's the way it happens so often in life. You're moving along and then you step back. You're moving along and you step back. The widow of Zarephath would have understood that. She had lost her husband. She was struggling to get by as a single mom, literally scraping the bottom of the barrel for something to eat. And things are desperate. Then Elijah shows up, and all of a sudden things are getting better. There's plenty of food. There's a little bit of horizon on the scene. She has something to do and a future. But now her only child, the one who was... To provide for her in her old age. Her son, who was her pension plan, he gets sick and he dies. Once again, she has reached the end of her rope. And in this anguish that she has, this poor woman turns on the prophet Elijah and his God. She says, why do you have This against me, O man of God. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Never mind that if Elijah hadn't come at all, she and her son would have long been dead already. In her pain and her sorrow, she lashes out and blames Elijah for her son's death. But if you look closely, what you see is she's really blaming herself Have you come here to punish my sins by killing my son? Now we aren't told what was on her heart, but evidently something led her to believe that her suffering with her son's death was due to some sort of sin, some sort of problem, a barrier that she had in her life between her and the Lord. Now that's a common belief in Bible days, but I'm here to tell you it is a common belief today. I talk to people over and over again who come to me with some sort of karma theory that because of their sin, this stuff's bad happening in their life. They've done something wrong, so God is punishing them or their family. People say things like that over and over again. I think it's because when we have trouble, it shines a spotlight on our own soul and we feel that God may be punishing us That's why the bad stuff's happening. That's why I lost my job. That's why I'm having trouble with my spouse or my kids. That's why I'm struggling at school. It's because God is unhappy with me and He's showing me how unhappy He is. He's punishing me. Now, listen closely to this. There are indeed consequences for sin. Sin is what separates us from our God it is that attitude of selfishness and rebellion in our lives and that has eternal consequences scriptures are clear those eternal consequences are death but we should also know that there are natural consequences which flow from our sin bad actions lead to bad results every single time don't ever forget that But God is not vindictive. Our God is not mean-spirited or arbitrary. He never wishes to punish us or harm us in order to teach a lesson to the guilty. God is just and He is holy. And He requires that sin be dealt with, but it can't be ignored. Our God, though, is a God who loves us in spite of our sin, He loves us enough to take the penalty for sin Himself. That's the whole message of the mission of Jesus, is that God so loved the world that He took that responsibility for sin to demonstrate how much He cares for each and every one of us. That is the Gospel. Having said all that, though, maybe, just maybe in this case, God was going to use this incident to bring this woman and perhaps Elijah to a realization that what they needed most in life was what only God could provide. You know, it's often when we get to the end of our rope and our own wisdom fails and our own strength is at an end that we realize how much we depend on the Lord. There is no room in Christianity for a self-made woman or a self-made, Made man, We are created by God, not by ourselves. And it is our God who not only creates us, but who redeems us and who sustains us. Elijah takes the boy in his arms, cries out to God, and asks the why question. Why, God, are you breaking this woman's heart with this tragedy? Why are you allowing this to happen? Have you ever been there? I have. When nothing makes sense and you cry out to God. Why, God? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Now, I can give you all sorts of good theological explanations. We can spend the next 30 minutes talking about the active will of God and the permissive will of God. And when I get done and you wake up, you still won't know anything more than to ask the why question especially when someone we love is in pain and struggling. That's how we respond. But perhaps instead of asking the why question, we should ask the who question. Because when we focus on the why, we focus on the problem. But when we ask the who question, we remember who's in charge. If we ignore who, we forget about the one who can resolve the problem's that we face, So Elijah prays to the Lord, who does indeed respond, the child is brought back to life. And when he returns the boy to his mother, here's where we find the key to this story. You see, this whole story is not about the woman, or even her son, and it's not about the prophet Elijah. This story is about God. Verse 24, now I know, she says, that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. God is able to use this whole terrible incident, the famine, the loneliness, the poverty, the tragedy of death, God is able to use that to bring this woman a little closer to the truth, bring this woman a little closer to himself. I think God also used that series of events to prepare Elijah for what was soon to come in his life. If you go on and read the rest of the story following chapter 17, it is an amazing series of events about how God worked through Elijah to change everyone he came in contact with to change the kingdom of God for the better. But I also think that God wants to use this story of the widow of Zarephath to help us to help us who are gathered here this morning for those times when we find ourselves at the end of our rope. And you know that can happen to any of us and usually does. When that happens, God has a message. You know, in a place like Starkville, there is a lot of pressure on us to to look good, to act right, to show the world that we've got it all together, we've got it all figured out. But from where I sit, I know better. I know that's not the case. For most of us, there are times in our life where we are just struggling. It may be with our family. It may be with finances. It may be with our own spirit. We don't have it all together. And if that is not an issue for you personally, It's an issue for someone you love. I guarantee it. People are tired. They're stressed out. And they're ready to give up. Don't do it. The story of the widow of Zarephath reminds us that God does not abandon us. Even in our darkest moments, God is still there. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it. And hang on for all you're worth. And remember... Who is holding the other end of the rope? When we do that, we will experience the joy that comes from being in the safety, in the presence of the Lord who created us and will provide for us. That's the truth. In fact, that is the gospel from God's Word. And it's my joy to share it with you this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As we close today, I'm going to remind you, we'll mention this morning that we have some gifts for all the men of the faith as you leave this morning. A little rock with an inscription, a reminder of the place that you have as rocks in our lives. It's a little touchstone, literally, that you can be reminded of how important you are to us. And so as we get ready to leave, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing on all the men of the faith of our family of God who strengthen us, who nurture us, and care for us. And then Will and the band will close us out. Let's pray together. Father God, the one who is the God of our fathers, You created us in love, and we who are your children praise you this morning. We are all too aware that very often we act like children. On the one hand, joyful and loving, yet on the other, selfish and rebellious. For those times when we have turned away from you, we confess our sin and call upon your never-ending love, which you showed in your Son, Jesus, to welcome us back into your strong and loving arms. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit which enables us to have new life and to be nurtured in spiritual growth. May we always look to you as Jesus did, calling you Abba, Daddy. We lift before you this morning the men who have given us life. We honor those who have been sources of faith and we pray for those who have been less. For fathers whose children have already been received into your love we ask that you would give them comfort in their loneliness and grief. For those who grieve over the physical, the emotional, or the spiritual future over their children, grant them your peace. For men who though without children of their own have nurtured and cared for us, we give you thanks. And for our fathers who have preceded us in death, may we honor their memory and follow their faith. Almighty God, strength, of power comes from You. So work within us today that as Your good news is proclaimed in word and song, we may hear and be reborn. We pray in the name of Your Son Jesus, who taught us all to pray together in word and spirit when He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is a the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen let's stand together